know, as a pastor, I um, get the privilege of um, hearing stories like you just uh, heard. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but it encourages me. It inspires me. Um, I saw Ken and Becky when they came in, and uh, uh, Ken had his um, bear shirt on. And I, I said, so Becky didn't help you get dressed this morning, and, uh, but uh, I'm a Steeler fan, so there's a little, um, little bit of uh, going back and forth between us. But um, I hope these stories live in us, that they mark us, that they remind us uh, who we are, and more importantly, who God is. You know, as a kid, um, I spent a lot of time in Kmart when I was little. Um, my dad worked there for a few months. He had just got out of the Navy, was waiting to start at the post office. And my grandma worked there for several years. And uh, sometimes we would get dropped off at Kmart right after school, or uh, we'd be leaving uh, baseball practice or basketball practice or something, and we'd get dropped off at the store. And so... Uh, sometimes we had like an hour to to kill, to to wait for either dad getting off work or grandma getting off work. And uh, so to occupy our, our time, my brother and I would snoop around the store, so to speak. And uh, after a few times of doing that, it got really boring. I mean, seriously boring. And we needed comedy in, in our life. And so we finally figured out the store was full of, of comedy. I mean, in fact, it was, it, they would take and announce where the comedy was taking place. <laughs> Attention, Kmart shoppers. Attention, Kmart shoppers. We have a blue light special in aisle 22. Women's purses 50% off for the next five minutes. And my brother and I would race there. And people are pushing, and people are shoving. And what was interesting, people would grab stuff and get it in their arms, and then they would go evaluate whether or not they really wanted it or not. <laughs> and uh, my, my brother and I, sometimes we'd get in the mix. Uh, I can remember several times we'd push the cart over and see if we could fill it, you know, before uh, people got everything. And then we would... Uh, wait, and after the blue light special was over, then we'd kind of put things back where, where they go. It was, uh, it was our idea of an Olympic challenge, okay? So we were kids. Every once in a while, they'd have a blue light special, and it was something I wanted. And I can remember one time they, they had Brute Cologne. How many of you remember Brute Cologne? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> It was either two for a dollar, three for a dollar, I don't remember, but I bought a case of it. <laughs> Seriously, 24 bottles. And for years, I wore Brute Cologne. Now, the fact that it was two for a dollar should have told me something, but, uh, you know. Shoppers would hear that announcement, or they'd see the light reflecting through the store, and it created a stir. I mean, part of the draw of the blue light special was the possibility of a bargain. People love bargains. 
We get excited. When, when something says original price, $100, discount price, $20, we get jazzed about it. Now, anyone that knows me very well knows I love shirts. I love shirts. And uh, I love it when Pennies and Macy's, they, they have their blowout sales where they mark everything down 75% and get an extra 50% off. And so sometimes I get shirts for 3 or $4. And I bring them home like I have landed a prize. I'll be like, honey... I got this shirt for four bucks. Can, can you believe it? And she's like, no, I can't believe he bought it. <laughs> yeah. And then she'll usually follow up, you know, there's a reason that they couldn't sell it at regular price. <laughs> and I'll be like, but do you like it? And she'll sell something like, yeah, I love it, Peter Brady. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> And no kidding, last weekend, one of, the, one of the guys in the church will remain unnamed. That's exactly what he said to me. He goes, I like your shirt, Peter Brady. You know, so. <laughs> people like getting deals. That's why people drive for miles to go on, like, shopping trips to hit outlet malls or, you know, discount stores like Burlington or Gordman's. Uh, that's why people go to wholesale clubs like Sam's or Costco. They're popular because people want a good deal in life. I want to look at a story that talks about a deal. It's a now moment. It's a now moment that took place in the life of David. David was this brilliant musician. He was a poet, a leader, Renaissance type guy. Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. And David had now moments in his life. We, we talked about one of them a few weeks ago uh, the, when he stepped out and, and uh, took that step in his life to fight heavyweight champion of the world, Goliath. You know, remember talking about that a few weeks ago? Yes? Yeah. Well, that victory catapulted David into leadership, and ultimately, he would become king of Israel. And many people say if he hadn't had that now moment, if he hadn't stepped up, quite possibly, he wouldn't have ended up being king. This now moment that we're going to talk about takes place late in David's reign. David has now ruled Israel for almost 40 years. He is in the process of transferring the power to his son Solomon. This is one of David's final acts as a king. And he stands before the entire nation and he shares God's vision. And God's vision was for him to build a house of worship. And David shared it with the people, says, you know, we've got to build the temple. We're going to do it now. Scripture says it this way. It says, the task is great because this palatial structure is not for human beings, but for the Lord God. You see, David realized right away this was something special. This wasn't another strip mall or subdivision. He's going to build a house for God and for God's people. And it would reflect the nature and character of God. And basically, David looks at this and says, you know, we've got to give it our best. 
It should be done with excellence, done to the best of our ability. Paul said this, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. It's interesting, the the Greek, excel. It means to be better than the rest. Why? Well, because we serve God, because we give our best, because we understand that we belong to him. David, David understands this. He sees where God's leading. He starts the process. You know, I'm always reminded, as Proverbs says, where, where there's no vision, people perish. Friends, show me a vision, and I will show you people who are willing to sacrifice. I don't care what the vision is, but if people get a glimpse of it, they begin to sacrifice. They begin taking risks. They begin pressing the edge uh, of things. I think that's one of the things this church gets right. I mean, that it's all about. It's about taking risks. It's about stepping out in faith. It's doing whatever it takes Why? For the glory of God. You know, it's interesting, uh, Solomon, again, David's son, he would later write in Scripture, he says, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. Very famous Scripture. He goes on and kind of lists things that have seasons. Uh, He lists the obvious, uh, life and death kind of things. But the very next thing, that he lists. He says, there's a time to build. Now, I believe, I don't know for sure, but I believe that Solomon was thinking back to his first act as a king to build in the temple. David, David recognized the moment. He knew the moment was now, and he seized it. He took that step. You know, I I think about this church and its history and why Faith Fellowship has taken steps. You know, we bounced around for a while, right? People without a a place. We did that for several years. You know, we always kidded and said you had to be smart to know where we were going to be, you know, figure us out. But there came a point where we realized that we could reach more people, that we could be more effective, if we had space, had our own space. And so we started looking. We started looking for property. We started laying the the foundation for for building a a church where God could be seen, where we could grow, a a place that we could point people to, to God. And as God gave vision, in that moment, it was interesting to watch because people began to step out in faith. People began to to risk, to sacrifice. When? Now. We saw the moment, and we took that moment. I believe any time you find people sacrifice, and you find people that are committed. David's speaking to the people. He says... Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, here's that now, I now give 
my personal treasures. Gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. And it's interesting, this got personal for David. David gave his personal treasures. In fact, if you read the chapter, I'd encourage you to read the chapter. It's a great read. But David goes into detail about what he's giving, what, he, what is included. And historians have kind of done some estimations. And they say David that day gave about $60 million, 4,000 years ago. Think about this. And he laid it all on the line. And I've always wondered, I wonder as David was sharing with the people, I wonder if Solomon was sitting there going, yeah, I get to build the temple. This is great. This is going to be so cool. It'll be my first act as a king. This will be awesome. But I wonder when David announced what he was giving, I wonder what went through his mind, if not for just a second. Uh, Dad, you're giving away my inheritance. Hey, Dad, I had planned to get that new Ferrari chariot that's coming out next year. (laughs) I mean, for a moment. We know that Solomon didn't feel that way. We know that Solomon celebrated the building of the temple. We know that. I believe the reason why he was okay with it was Solomon had watched his father model sacrificial giving his entire life. Now notice I didn't say sacrificial. Play it safe. No, sacrificial. You know, parents ask me often, uh, you know, what can they give their kids? You know, what can they do to really mark their lives? And if you've asked me that, you know, there's several things. One, sometimes I'll I'll say, uh, let them fail. I think it's important you let kids fail. As long as it won't hurt them or kill them, you, you should let them fail because they'll learn from that. But the other thing that I often say is sacrificially give. Give your best willingly. When your children see you as a giving person, a generous person with your friends, with your family, with the poor, with the church, with God, when they see you willingly sacrifice, friends, it marks them. It is something money cannot buy. You cannot teach your kids this. You you, you model it for them. You know, Ephesians 3.10 says, his intent was that now, It's talking about God here. God says, my intent. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Knowing God. The mission of the church, that people know God, that people grow in their faith and in their relationship with God. And I know sometimes, you know, we we have said we're in the middle of of expanding. We're looking to add a kid-centric center to to the church. And I think where our minds go is structure, steel, bricks, mortar. And I want to say, friends, it's bigger than that. It, it, It is what it represents. It's not a building. 
Say that. It's not a building. It's people. It's people. It's people that fill the building. It's people who ultimately, the only thing you'll take into eternity with you is each other. Friends, family, neighbors. It's the only thing. I mean, how great is the church? What kind of premium are you going to put on the church? You know, Jesus was talking to Peter one day, and he gives us a glimpse of the strength of the church. He's talking to Peter, and he says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And a lot of people have misinterpreted, but what he's saying is it's people that I will build my church with. And all the power of hell will not conquer it. In other words, he's saying there is nothing greater on this planet than the church. There's nothing stronger. There's nothing that's going to make a bigger dent in things. There is no greater hope than the church. David understood that as he was building a house of worship. He understood that. I think we understand that as a church. That there is no greater endeavor in this world than to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, when it comes to giving, I believe we base it one of two ways. There there are two, two things that we kind of base it on. One, you can base giving on reasoning. And we're pretty good at that. Or we can base it on revelation. You know, most people, when they base it on reasoning, it goes something like this, okay? You can put it in your own words, but it's, what can I afford? What's the least I could do and be okay? You know, I want to be safe official. I want to play it safe. And that's what happens when you work with your reasoning, when you use your mind that way and only your mind but there's one problem with that it takes no faith zilch none and giving that costs you nothing has nothing to do with sacrifice I mean you can give based on reasoning but there's a biblical basis that's much better and that's revelation and that's going to God and saying okay God I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm I'm all yours. I I understand. It all comes from you. It all belongs to you. My talents, my opportunities, my treasures. It's all yours. But God, I want to be used. I want to make a a difference. I want to make an eternal difference. And then it's the key question. What do you want to do through me? God, I know that your resources are never exhausted. So use me. Show me what you want to do. And friends, when you have that kind of conversation with God, when you begin praying about what God would have you do, what it means for you to sacrifice, 
Friends, when you take that step, although it seems small, you take that step, you start thinking differently. You seriously do. You watch this shift happen in you from, God, what's the least I can do? To God, what's the most I can do? And friends, when you make that transition, suddenly you begin enjoying giving. Why? Because one, it's a now moment. And when you give that way, it becomes an act of worship. And it changes things. You ever wonder, you know, wherever you're at today, and it's okay, wherever you're at. But if you, if you find yourself going, man, I don't like doing that. I don't like turning loose of this. Just don't like it. I would argue that you have not made that transition yet because those that get jazzed up about it, those that celebrate, that enjoy, they've made that transition. You know, Paul was writing to an amazing group of people in Macedonia. And he writes this. He says, For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. You know, now I'm going to stop and say something specifically about the, the Now campaign we're in. Because it is not about equal gifts. The, the fact is, we are all over the map, every one of us. If we went around, I mean, we won't, but if we went around, we said, okay, what do you have? What do you have? And we'd all be in different places, right? It's not about the same resources. It's not about the same gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. In other words, God doesn't look at the amount that's given. God looks at what's left, you know, in fact, I would go on record to say that probably, probably the greatest gift will not be the biggest gift. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? So one of the things I want to encourage you to not do is to kind of do this. This is what mentally we do. Oh, I think this person's going to give this. I think... That person will give this, so I'll do this. You know? Do you know what I mean? And I believe the evil one wants you to think that way. Because I have noticed that any time we do the comparison game, we get in trouble. You ever do that? You ever compare yourself to other people? Well, at least I'm not doing that. I'm a lot better than them. I'm at church every week. At least I'm doing something. I mean, they never help anybody. And friends, that kind of thinking will, will just mess you up. It'll just mess you up. You know, the, the fact is that it will get you. Dangerous, dangerous game. In other words, a better way is to bring yourself before God. Bring yourself before God and let God figure it out with you. You know, that's how David lived his life. As I read about his life and celebrate his life, he lived it before God. 
I mean, David had a, had a chance numerous times. He had opportunity here in this now moment. He could have played it safe. He could have, but he didn't. David, uh, he's out. He's trying to get land for, for building the temple. And uh, the, the guy goes, here, you can just have the land. And that was part of what David saw as his purpose. And he, he answers. He says, no, I have to pay you what they're worth. I can't offer the Lord, my God, a sacrifice that costs me nothing. See, sacrificial giving actually changes the way you think. It changes the way you live. Uh, Sacrificial giving is rooted in a thing called love. And don't miss this, okay? Abraham. Abraham sacrificed... Because he loved God. David sacrificed because he loved God. Paul sacrificed because he loved God. God sacrificed his son Jesus Christ because he loved us. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Gave his one and only son. It's the essence of Christianity. You know, David comes along and says, I will not sacrifice to God something that costs me nothing. You know, David understood that the gift that costs nothing is not really a gift. That David understood that you have to make a decision in life, sacrifice, sacrificial, or sacrificial. Play it safe. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you track back with the church. We were at Alton Little Theater at the time. And that's when the church took the step of faith, big step of faith, took the risk. And it was interesting to watch because people began to sacrifice themselves, began to sacrifice their stuff and their things so we could buy the land, so that we could start laying a foundation for for this building. And I watched people over those years as we moved from the theater to the high school and ultimately from the high school to this facility. And I watched their faith, and I watched what transpired. And I've told you, I'm an observer. And I remember the day we opened here very vividly. How many of you were here that day? How many of you have started coming since we opened here? Just curious. Okay. And that's why we built this. It's for the people that are to come. But I remember opening day. And I think for the first time for many people that had sacrificed through those years, that it hit them for the first time. I mean, it marked them that day. Because I had many conversations, and they said something very common, a little different bent, had their personality involved, but it went something like, this is unbelievable. I never thought, I never dreamed I would be a part of something like this. You know, this is more than I imagined. It's just incredible. And friends, I watched people change that day. 
I watched people that were genuinely moved, that experienced the joy, the satisfaction from their giving, from their sacrifice. They realized that the sacrifice was worth it, that what they did mattered. I saw the flip side of that, though. I watched people that had been with us through all the transitions. I watched them walk into the building for the first time, first day when we opened. And I remember having a conversation with a guy. And he said something to this extent. He said, this is really something. He says, the people that made this happen, they must feel great about all this. You know, and he's kind of looking around. And I, words don't get past me. I was like, okay, what did he just say? And I said, well, you helped make this happen. And I remember him saying very clearly, he said, no, I really didn't. I missed it. And that stuck with me. And I made a point of giving him a call, and uh, we went out and had lunch, and uh, asked him to explain himself to me. I needed to understand what, what had transpired. And, and the best I could grasp, he had had a now moment, but he didn't step up. He played it safe, and he missed it. And if he was up here today, he would tell you it's something he regrets terribly. And here's what I believe, that we are given a few opportunities in our lifetime to do extraordinary things for God. And that those now moments when they come, you either step in or you miss them. You never get them back. You don't have that moment come along again. Some people step up and sacrifice, have an amazing experience. They get to see and feel what it's like to be used by God. And I'll tell you, friends, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in all the world. And some people miss the whole deal. Safe official. Play it safe. And, you know, one, I wouldn't, and I can't make decisions for you. Because... It's between you and God. But I do want to say this. Don't miss now, whatever that is for you. David knew that he had an opportunity of a lifetime. And he was sharing his laundry list of what he was giving. And people are listening. And I'm going to guess they're, they're kind of tallying things up. I mean, that's how people are. They're doing the math. And they go, whoa, wait a minute. That's almost $60 million dollars. David, David did not do it so that you would go, hey, look at me, look what I'm doing. David wanted the people to understand that he was talking about sacrifice. And he wanted the people to know that he wasn't playing it safe. He wanted to motivate the people and then ask them to sacrifice as they saw him sacrificing. First Chronicles says, David asks this, he goes, now, who among you is willing to consecrate yourself to the Lord today? Every once in a while, someone will ask me, 
uh, when, when I've talked on this topic or, you know, they'll read something on it. And they'll go, how do I know if I'm sacrificing? And if you've asked that, you know, I give you the same answer I've been given for 20 years to people. When you are sacrificing, you will not need to ask me that question. It's that simple. Sacrifice is only possible when you get a perspective. You know, that's what we've been doing the last few weeks, getting perspective. When we realize that life is fleeting, when we realize the only thing that really matters in this world is the things that are going to last into eternity. You know, when we understand that a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is the most important thing and that as that relationship deepens, what happens is your perspective concerning God changes as well. Not only do you see the world different, you begin to see God different. And when that happens, it changes everything. I mean, you no longer play it safe. You no longer take small steps, you take bold steps of faith. And then you find that when you face those now moments, sacrificing is the only option. It's all you know. I mean, David prays this prayer, and it's a tremendous prayer as he's asking people to sacrifice. And I think the prayer kind of reveals his perspective on things. And I'd encourage you to read, read it. Uh, I'm going to look at part of it. But it's a, it's a powerful prayer in that chapter. He says, in your hands are strength and power to exalt. In other words, he understood that, that God was powerful, that, that God could do extraordinary things in and through people. He says, now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. And here we go, key questions. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. You know, David says, how, how is generosity possible? How is sacrifice possible? And David already knew the answer. He's given it to us. He says, I know it's possible because God's powerful. I know it's possible because God can do whatever God wants to do. That God can do amazing things through people that are willing to bow a knee and say, I'm yours, God, however you see fit. You know, it all belongs to God. See, David's hitting on the real motive here, that it's all God's. It's all God's. And that God will provide and will continue to provide. In other words, friends, David understood that people become the conduit through which God works. That God works through people that lay it all down. And friends, that perspective changed him. And friends, when you get that kind of perspective about God, when your perspective shifts there, it'll determine whether you play it safe or you sacrifice. 
David writes, he says, I know, my God, that you test the hearts and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. God tests the heart. He says it's a matter of integrity. When, when we sacrifice, when we give God our best, he says God smiles. I mean, he says God's pleased there. But it's kind of a spiritual test. And I hope you'll wrestle with that, that test. You know, the question, will you, not your neighbor, not the person sitting down from you, but will you play it safe or sacrifice? Because now it's between you and God. Living life before God, not for each other. Living life with God's perspective. If you ask me what this church got right, is that we understand that we will do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus Christ. Because when we lay it all down, that's the only thing that we will celebrate in the next world. Is the things that we did that made a difference in eternity. That simple. You bow with me in prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. And God, we stand before you knowing that you deserve our very best because you gave it all for us. God, sometimes I I struggle to understand the depth of that love that you would have given up your son. You would have left heaven and come to this world. God, I am amazed at um, what you have done in people's lives in this church the lives that have been changed by the outreach and the love of this church. And God, I thank you that why you chose me to lead, I don't know. But God, I can't think of a better group of people and I stand in awe of how you've worked through so many of them. God, I pray we would continue to be about the work you've called us to, that we would be the church that you've called us to be, that we would be the people you've called us to be. And God, I look forward to the, that day in eternity. When I think we'll walk around there and say, it was all worth it. Can you believe this? 
God, I praise you. I thank you. Give you glory. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.